Yeah. Fucking A, man. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I hope that weed record didn't No, I, it's just, it's just gonna make editing a bitch. <laughs> 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 so And a bitch it was. <laughs> Welcome to South of the A. I do apologize for the audio for the first about 20 minutes of this interview. I just really did not want to cut it out just because I felt like it was pretty good content. But there is a weed whacker and a leaf blower in the background. It sucks. It really sucks. But uh, push through it. I think you guys will really like the interview. Victor and I discuss Latinx representation, uh, social media, and just even tiktoks at one point it was a lot of fun to make and i hope you guys enjoy it. again just push through those first 20 minutes um i i figured even if maybe put volume down a little bit you won't even hear it just push through it you got this i, I believe in you guys but either way again loving your guys's feedback um i'm glad some of you guys are enjoying it and even if you're not thank you for listening we record for almost two hours and it hurt to cut any minute of it but i just i felt like it was too long i listen to podcasts all the time and honestly when they run past an hour i'm just like i just don't have the time even if i do have the time i'm like kind of over it so i get it i try to cut it as much as i could but i hope you guys enjoy it. i mean i want to have victor back just because i really enjoy the conversation so hopefully we'll have another episode whether it be on acting uh his acting career or just anything in general uh that's one of the things i really been sort of aiming for is just having these like random podcasts where we just sit down with interesting people and we just talk not necessarily an interview basis but more like have a theme and just kind of go off the bat so i have a i think i already we already recorded one with a couple of friends it was a lot of fun you'll see that next week but um if it's something you guys are interested let me know hit me up give me some uh some suggestions some q a's or anything like that but again Here's Victor and enjoy the interview. Hi, Victor. Thank you so much for doing this. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself for me? Uh, yeah, my name is Victor Ravelis. I am an actor and playwright in the South Bay. I'm primarily based in Chula Vista, but I act everywhere in San Diego, usually doing community theater stuff and some extra st stuff whenever it happens <laughs> <laughs> that's cool and is this um do you have sort of an origin story how did you get to i know we both went to um uh uh scpa school which is like a school of creative and performing arts very victorious very <laughs> yeah. i remember thinking back like oh wow we're those guys you know yeah so but besides that do you have does it go further back um, it started with basically my si siblings. They were both in, we all, my siblings are also went to the SCPA, but they, we also went to an elementary school that had the VPA program and it was a Mendoza elementary. And I remember seeing my sister, she's, she's the oldest and she was on the stage and, and I was like in kindergarten, first grade. And I was like, I want to be on that stage. And that's like the start of everything. Like, it's not, I always say like it's not the start of like I want to be an actor, but it's the start of I just want to be a performer. Like I want to perform with those kids. You know, I always wanted to be a baseball player growing up. So, <laughs> yeah, man, I miss sports. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like um, yeah, we all sort of have that moment when we're like I could do that. Like I want to do that. You know, I think it goes from I can do that to I want to do that to I like to do that. You know, performing yeah. is such a 
it's so different and we're we're used to it because we're surrounded by people i'm sure i mean most of my friends are from high school and they're surrounded by people that were okay performing they were okay just being sort of the center of attention yeah but a lot of people just aren't into that you know so it's definitely it's a takes a certain kind of person to be able to get up there and yeah be like hey i can do this you know yeah i definitely had the like calling to like pursue this professionally when i was young like in the middle school i wanted to be i knew i wanted to be a performer yeah uh, but like just being around a performing cadence, like I know that if I didn't have this passion, I would still be somehow involved in performing or like, some right. You would have found it. I feel yeah. like you, it's one of those things you would have found regardless. Right. Yeah. And I feel like throughout, uh, throughout time you sort of find it because I don't know if this applies to you, but a lot of times, um, we'll find different hobbies, we'll find different things to do, but we also always sort of hone back down to performance base to, some kind of um, creative outlet, I feel like it's, yeah. it's a good way to put it. Because even though performance seems so like narcissistic, like so, look at me. But it really comes down to you just wanting to express yourself. In just in your case, you found it through musical theater or just theater or singing in general, right? Uh, it was mainly singing. I didn't get into musical theater until high school. I oh didn't, wow! Okay. I didn't really realize that was a career path until <laughs> okay. high school. That's awesome. Yeah. What do you know? Like finding like oh, I'd like to do this and that, and then you find out they're both a thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like mainly, I remember being like, I want to be one of those background dancers in the Super Bowl. Like oh, you know, shit. yeah, was, that's so awesome. Yeah. So yeah. it's like when I found out about musical theater, I was like, oh, I can I can sing and dance and act. <laughs> what yeah what do you, you know because i perform by myself i don't even yeah. need an audience i just like to express myself that <laughs> yeah, way so to have sure. that as a career path i was like i'm doing that yeah something that yeah something you can aim towards i feel like yeah i um uh what was i gonna ask so you mentioned family uh do you have any uh specific inspirations or influences that sort of make you feel like like i want to be him when he, i grow up or i want to be her when i grow up i want to do this i want to do that kind of thing um i think uh, one of the early influences is definitely George Lopez, the George Lopez show. Oh fuck, dude! I was just um, I was watching a clip from his show, and I didn't realize that's the first like comedy slash sitcom I ever watched. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that was super impactful for my life. I'm a huge comedy fan. Yeah. And comedies create sitcoms, blah blah blah, Jerry Seinfeld, all that sort of stuff. But my introduction to the whole world was George Lopez. Wow. You know, yeah. so it's crazy. You know, yeah. it's like a good sort of middle ground. I'm that was sorry. that was one of the first uh shows that I realized that, oh snap, that's me. Right. You know, like seeing a Latino representation. Representation out there. is so important. Yeah. And, um, you know, because I had seen Full House, I had seen other like shows, and it's yeah. like, you know, it's, you get that family feels like, oh, yeah, that's a good show. That's a funny show. But then seeing like Lopez, I was like, oh, I can, I, do, I can that. do this. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's great. Um, so, like, when <laughs> I remember, like, there was this always this like uh, college question where it's like, what was the first thing you saw on TV that like really influenced you? And people would be like, oh, it's 9 11. Oh, it's like, <laughs> The tsunami in two thousand four, and I'd right. be like, I saw the George Lopez show. And <laughs> <laughs> so, it was such a, it was such a weird, and it just worked, man. Like it's the cliche sitcom. It had, um, it had your what's it called, your catchphrases. It had your impossible plots, but it just worked, man. Like yeah. I remember looking back and thinking, like I can still watch that. Like it's still funny. It's still. I don't know. It's cute, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. It was a good show. It was, when I look at it, it's like, it's, you look at it and you can think, 
this is not a Latino, like, th- we're not trying to push the Latino, like, right, yeah, thing forward. It was like, these are basic problems that we all face, right? They just happen to be Latino, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And those little, like, uh, again, the catchphrases, and it just it felt make it felt Latino, but you're right, it was very everyday sort of issues. I mean, I'm all for representation, and I'm all for just sort of getting our people and just getting all sorts of people really out there, just so that everybody can look at the TV and be like, hey, that's me. But that said, I feel like there is a push from Hollywood for it to just be a show based on just that. Sometimes you'll watch a show and you're like, is this supposed to be entertaining or is this this supposed to be entertaining because they're X? Yeah. You know? And I mean, not to name shows or anything like that. Everybody has a taste and maybe those shows worked for some people, but some do seem a little... like they're catering to a certain audience Mm -hmm. and i'm like well is this progressive (laughs) or is this just trying to cash in on us pretty much like you know wanting the representation wanting to see something different yeah and that's definitely something like and that goes down to kind of the writing aspects of like the industry you know it takes great writers to write great stories and sometimes you know you only have these like white um Right. White heavy writer rooms where it's like, you know, okay, so they're Asian. How do we like (laughs) cater to this? And like, don't get racist. Yes. (laughs) You're like, that's the big one. And don't get me wrong. Like, I'm sure there's some Asian representation or like, depending on different shows, like different black representation, but it's still kind of like they're trying to get to the stereotypes of the show and they get so lost into it that they don't go into different. um, Right. Sometimes, um, sometimes you just want Mexicans being a family like it doesn't have to be a mexican family they just have to be a family i yeah. feel like a good example of that is joe uh joe Coy. i don't know if you know the uh comedian he's a filipino comedian his entire bit like his entire thing is talking about like asian american stereotypes mm-hmm. and then comparing them to like mexican stereotypes and black stereotypes all these sort of different he leans very much into the stereotypes but because he's filipino he does it in a way like if it was your uncle just sort of telling you stories. Okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah. about your family. And oh, you're like, okay, and okay. like, oh, I can't believe your tia did that. I'm like, who, the chismosa one? And then it just becomes like this rabbit hole of like, yes, they're stereotypes, but the, they're done correctly. And I feel like a lot of shows could uh, benefit a lot from picking something up like that from, from comedians like him. Because again, yes, they're very like, oh, another example, like uh, Gabriel Iglesias. Yes. He's very like, you know, he's Mexican. Mm-hmm. I, you know, his comedy is Mexican. But he does it right. He does it entertaining enough that people that aren't Mexican laugh, even if they don't yeah. even relate. Or maybe they do. Maybe they realize that Mexicans aren't so different from other people. Like Mexican he, moms are just. He even says it like sort of in his like standups. He's like, oh, no, I'm a comedian that happens to be Latino. Right. I'm not a Latino comedian. It's yeah. like, what's and the it's difference? Huge, <laughs> it is a huge difference because there is a lot of people I feel like that try to do that transition, much like in movies or music or anything like that. And they always sort of have that. They're always sort of punching upwards because they're like, well, you're you're over there. Like maybe we'll play a couple songs on your radio or maybe we'll watch one of your movies. But you're still very separated from like what uh, the mainstream media is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is funny because that doesn't happen with Canada. Half the time people, <laughs> people don't realize that people are from Canada, you know, but our entire uh uh, stoner movies are based off of like Seth Rogen <laughs> yeah. and Jonah Hill, you know, or our music is led by Justin Bieber and Drake, and yeah. it's like completely Canadian. So it's like it's not a nationalist thing. It's uh, it's more of like a color thing. I think it's mm-hmm. where the issue maybe starts. So, so do you have a specific definition of like actor? Because I know 
actor defined by society i'm sure is a lot different from actor defined by actors um yeah uh acting to me and to and there's different like you can go to like different methods like it's like acting is a stanislavski method you know and or like a meisner method and to me i actually know what that is because i watched once upon a time in hollywood yeah (laughs) so i was like oh man they're they're starting to become more popular terms so i feel like i could just drop them and people would like understand it um but you know there's these different methods to acting um to me acting is just reacting you're trying to get the truest um reaction from yourself from the given circumstances that someone is giving you so like if you're in a play and you have this character, you know everything about that character and you try to understand everything around them and get their point of view as much as possible. So that way when you're on the stage and portraying it, you can react as if you are that character. Okay. Well that said, you mentioned you're also you also playwright, mm-hmm. right? So then as a playwright, um what is your stance on people taking sort of the liberty of trying to understand the uh, character more than you more than someone that actually wrote the character because i feel like that's something i at least in <laughs> sitcoms and shows and movies about movies you see that a lot where you have this um uh, demen- uh sorry dynamic between the writer that wrote the story and well they know the story because it's you ask them about the material but the actor with the skills sort of feels like they would maybe say it differently or they would do it differently. Do you think there's like, is it a give and take thing or? Well, with the, in like any acting community, it's a collaboration. You know, mm-hmm. I write the character, but the actor that's playing the character is going to have their own take on that character. Right. And it's always going to come down to, I have to have a conversation with that actor or actress mm-hmm. and like, we discuss out, hey, this is, this is the type of thing. And that also goes with the director too, depending if there's a director or not. Right. Um, but for me, when it comes to my characters, I try to do as much research as I can, like depending on like what the character I make up. Right. And I just try to like react as if it's as true as possible. And sometimes what it's true as possible isn't as true as possible. And it right. won't, and I won't realize it until an actor comes in. That's why they, like you see like shows like, oh, they're doing a rewrite. They're doing this many things. It's because right. the more people you add to it, the more you gain a point of a better point of view of each character. Right. And maybe sometimes you just... I feel like a lot of ideas are very, uh, they evolve and they maybe you're like, you know what? I don't like that. Like it, it's been bothering me. I don't like that. Let's change it. Right. Yeah. So it's cool that you, you can have that sort of liberty to be like, let's just keep evolving. Let's keep changing. Let's keep growing. Yeah. I feel like, uh, especially, uh, well, I mean, not specially, but specifically in theater, um, with this, uh, so many shows, I feel like you, you guys probably yourself try to entertain yourself by trying to keep it fresh, keeping it different. Just because, I mean, doing a certain amount of shows can be a little yeah. taxing, I'm sure. I mean, you're you're up there doing so much and, you know, it, it can get a little repetitive. So yeah. um, is there is there something that you do to try to stay fresh, stay well, as big, like, concentrated as possible? The big thing about uh, doing shows, and especially in live theater, and that's why I love theater more than film or anything else, it's right. because every night you're on that stage, you're doing those motions, but it's kind of like, you're trying to find a way to make this feel better. You're trying to right. find a find a way to make this like work more. And you do some th- things and they don't work. And it's like, <laughs> well, I'm not gonna do that the next show, you know? And it's like a constant thing, so. Wow, so um, from, from it, it seems very like, uh, kind of like stand-up because a lot of comics will go up and they, um, I'm sorry if I referenced a lot of stand. I love comedy, no, <laughs> but no, like no. Um, from from podcasts and interviews, I, I they always mention that you're sort of always working on it, and you're always trying to 
make it better. And sometimes you even cater to cer certain audiences because you know that certain people are there and like, hey, maybe if I do it like this, it'd yes. be different. And I feel like you're always, again, you mentioned reaction. You're always sort of going off of what the crowd likes, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, they like that joke, you know, or maybe they liked when I did this extra pause. Maybe I can do it again. And you sort of feed off of that, right? Or you're yeah. feeding off the audience. Every audience is different. And right. so every show is going to be different. There's going to be a difference between the old people at the Sunday matinee and, right. you know, the young crowd on Friday nights. There's going to be a different, you know, feel. And you just go off the vibe with that. Um, but when it comes to, like, you know, every show, like, there's a reason why we have a director. He right. makes sure that the story is still being told no matter what. Right. So he's like, listen, the point is you have to, like, get this down. You have to, like, get to this point. And if you get to this point, it will make everything will make sense and it everything will sense. click. Right. So it's like we're we're also trying to like feel the crowd. We're also trying to feel the character, but we're also trying to like make sure the story it gets told. Right. That's the main that's the main part of like any like story. Yeah, I feel like at the end of the day you wanna make sure that you're telling the story that you all agreed to tell. Right? Yes. Again, I feel like um acting seems very even the idea of acting seems competitive. It's always the uh, go to L.A. and do this and do that and, you know, the power-hungry shark sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But really, especially in theater or in anything, really, acting is very collaborative. It's very, you need the director. You need someone to hold the boom mic. You need someone to do this, someone to do that. So it's, it's a team effort. And I feel like a lot of people, well, at least personally, when you think of acting, you think of the star. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You know, so but it takes it takes a lot more people. So is there is there a balance? Is there a balance to sort of say, yes, you're sort of the lead, but it takes all of us. Um, usually the people that go like I am the star and I will always be the star. <laughs> right. You rarely see them working long, it, right. even if they're like the best thing on earth, because yeah. people don't like collaborating with people that don't like to collaborate. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, that that makes that makes perfect. So sense. like, yeah, there's a huge competitive likeness and i think that revolves around just the audition form like when you go to an audition room there's going to be like anywhere between 10 to 700 people i've been in a room where it's been right. 700 people wow yeah hamilton open calls <laughs> <Wild. laughs> but oh, um God. you know so like there's comes to a point where uh you have to be confident in your abilities and you have to believe right. that what you're doing is good enough and if they don't like that well then that's them you know yeah. it's it's this whole kind of standoffish way during the audition process i want to wow, be like clear on that where it's like you have to be confident in yourself so much that you know even if they don't take you you're like whatever yeah, on to the next yeah one. they're the problem it's not me yeah wow that's that's interesting that's got to take a lot of well of, of course confidence but it's also got to take uh, uh, everything it's, it seems so nerve-wracking already and on top of that, you have to say, well, I can't act ne like nervous. I have to stay on top of it. I have to, you know, mm -hmm. act so I can act. No, definitely. <laughs> really. No, it, um, I always say this. I The worst part about being an actor is the place between the callbacks and the cast list. Because yeah. after that, there's nothing you can do. There's right. nothing you can say You're... except for their response. And right. so, you know, as confident as I am in the audition room and in that callback, after that, I am like, <laughs> <laughs> what the heck is gonna happen what i am so nervous yeah. I, wow, I need to like sit down i need to like meditate yeah. and yeah it, it gets to you yeah. so you know that's why a lot of people do yoga a lot of actors do yoga yeah a lot of them you know try to find their own hobbies outside of acting so that way they can right. take their minds off of stuff that's a pretty nice segue i guess towards could you tell me your uh sort of at least specifically to you difference between 
acting as a hobby or acting as a career? Um, You're auditioning a lot more for a career. <laughs> that makes um, sense. There's a lot of people that audition as a as a hobby. They like they like to perform, but they don't care about like trying to make it big or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, for me right now, it's a developmental phase mainly. Is as in, I'm just trying to make sure my craft is great, so that way when I do go to LA, New York, because unfortunately I might have to go. That's where you gotta go. Yeah, yeah that's where all the work is. Uh, right. But when I do go, I'll be able to be confident in myself no matter what audition comes in. Okay, and so you're sort of preparing, you're honing on your craft. Yeah, this is like one way to say it. Yeah, and you only get that by just trying to audition and trying to like do shows. Right. <laughs> yeah, and. Again, theater gives you that immediate response, right? Mm -hmm. People are in front of you. And a lot of times people, it's one of those like you have to be there moments. Because if that person goes home, the audience goes home and tells um, someone about the show, it will never be the same as if they were there. But with things like social media, YouTube, in my case, podcasting, you're sort of doing the craft and then posting it. You know what I mean? So it's you're kind of looking at the computer and refreshing and refreshing and like, yeah. man, did people like that? You know, so feedback is so important um, after the fact, as opposed to theater when you get it directly. Do you think that's something that is that something you think about? Is that something when you say that maybe you make you a little nervous um, in general, just like in the future, looking towards like making jobs? Is that something that's going to worry you where you're not going to have that sort of immediate feedback? I can't really let it worry me. Mm. You know, people are going to say whatever they're going to say, no matter what. There's always going to be right. someone that doesn't like the work. There's always going to be someone that's like kind of like criticize, criticizing the work itself. I've had plenty of friends that are just like, you know what? I loved I loved you in that show, but that show was kind of weird. <laughs> you know, I was the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like no matter if it's immediate or you're like delaying the immediacy, there's still going to be that feedback that's always going to be there. So okay. I, I can't really think about the feedback. I have to think about how fulfilling is this for me? You know? Okay. Well, that's I, that's a. I feel like it's a good direction to take with just about anything. I feel like, I just it's it's personally because, <laughs> uh, a lot of people are like, I I, my, I love my friends, but they'll say, why? Like, <laughs> they're like, oh cool, you're making a podcast, but then it'll turn to sort of why? And it's like, well, man, it's a it's a creative outlet. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not looking to do anything. Like, if one person's listening, then, hey, that one person listening, thank you. But <laughs> seriously, it's like, cool, man. If people like what I'm doing, cool. If they don't, cool. Like, yeah. I, it's fine. Like, I do it for me. It's super selfish, man. I, I love these conversations. I love having a reason to wake up and be like, hey, man, do you want to do this? Like, you know, and you yeah. feel professional. You feel cool. And at the end of the day, I feel like as long as it sort of makes me happy, then. Yeah. Like, know. don't get me wrong. Like, if the feedback's positive, like, I oh, will love course. it even more. <laughs> but it's like. You know, I also have. But it's like, not what you do it for. It's not what I. It's never what I do it for. Awesome. If I was yeah. there for the feedback, I would probably be doing something else that I could be more successful at. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people hone in on what they they're good at, but that doesn't always lead to like being good at it or liking it for that matter. I feel like some people settle for being good at uh, X thing, and maybe that wasn't what they wanted to do. You yeah. know. Um, I don't know if you've seen the um, show Barry with bill Hader, oh i've been meaning to see that great show man great <laughs> show anyway great acting too um yeah. so the setup pretty much is he's a hitman okay that right off of the marines he's just like sort of a sociopath and he just he's just a hitman uh, right off the bat he's hired to kill this actor and he gets sort of um 
tricked into joining an acting class, <laughs> and then he falls in love with it. He's the best hitman in the world and the worst actor, but acting is what sort of fulfills him, you know. And it, it's a it's a nice way to say like you know it's never too late to sort of find not just what makes you happy, but just sort of what makes you complete. Yeah. You know, I I don't really believe in uh, too many spiritual things. So I feel like we're always sort of chasing to fill that hole inside of us. And even if it's only for a little bit, if you find something that fills it, hey, man, it's, yeah. do you, you know, <laughs> be happy. As long as you're not hurting anyone, go ahead, do, yeah. you know, be as happy as possible. Yeah. So amidst uh, the whole COVID thing, I feel like a lot of creative people we're put in a situation where you're sort of not forced to work, but it's a nice way to sort of be like, all right, I'm finally going to do it. You know, I'm finally going to do that thing. I'm finally going to prepare for that one thing. Is there something that you're sort of working on or honing on right now with COVID taking advantage of the free time and the honestly, the okay. you time? I mean, right now, I, I'm pretty sure you're referring to my TikToks. <laughs> um, well, it's sort of, yeah. It's sort of. Yeah. No, the main thing, the reason why I started doing TikTok was the fact that two of my shows have been canceled because of COVID. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I have no scripts to work on. I have nothing to Dang. work on. And then I just stumbled upon TikTok and I was just like, this is fun. And I would see like the content. Yeah. I'll be like, oh, I can I can sing on this. I can <laughs> I can do yeah. like skit. And so, yeah, yeah that, that whole thing kind of spiraled just because of it. But I mean, it's a great creative outlet, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it's, it's like, so interesting. It's, it's a, so diverse. It's I don't know. Yeah, it's a more immediate feeling because i i used to do youtube videos because i liked editing right but like oh, my lab you're you, seriously you like editing <laughs> yeah that's the, the one thing i oh man i but, can't i just can't yeah. I, I think it's like the capricorn in me that i'm the perfectionist <laughs> and that i like editing to make sure it's perfect. well it's the capricorn in me that tells me <laughs> it's not perfect it'll <laughs> never be perfect <laughs> you know what i mean um i think uh, do you know peter mckinnon uh, he always uh said it's always it's always better to be done than to be perfect. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you could always tweak things. But anyway, so you mentioned uh, so 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 when did you sort of lean towards TikTok? Did you? I mean, I'm sure you were a viewer first. Yeah, I was definitely yeah. a viewer. I I had downloaded TikTok back in December, but like oh wow, I hadn't, I oh, hadn't, wow. okay. I hadn't really used it. You know, yeah. I saw it, but like there's hardly anyone on it, and yeah. like the people that I did see were like a bunch of high schoolers, and I was like, this is <laughs> not entertaining. Yeah, COVID definitely introduced the uh, the millennials to to TikTok. And, yeah, and it's been great. I feel like I I downloaded it maybe a week into uh, Corona, and the first thing I thought was, man, Vine. Like that's mm -hmm. that's the first thing I thought, and even from the uh, videos I saw on Twitter. I was like, I'm going to download it specifically for the funny stuff because at the end of the day, it's like any other social media. It caters to you. So mm -hmm. if you're following the right people, you'll never see the cringy stuff. Like, I don't. Yeah. Like, I'll, 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 I'll check the For You page every once in a while just to choose new people to follow. Mm -hmm. But, man, some there's some weird stuff. In there. <laughs> there's some weird stuff in the For You page. <laughs> because definitely. they're just sort of throwing everything <laughs> at you, you know. But the cool thing is that once you, you sort of figure it out what you like and follow the right people those the content man is just continuously funny the stand-up com content is just it's amazing so i love funny, it funny man and like a lot of stuff you can tell it's just recycled like they grabbed it from youtube and they made it yeah. into a tiktok but that's fine because it's those little clips it's that like millennial like mentality of like quick i want it now like give yeah. me give me the punchline like tell me what the joke is you know mm -hmm. or even the collaborative aspect of like uh, the memes that sort of repeat themselves and or the memes upon memes where they're, they're just making fun of each other because I I haven't really dove down the rabbit hole of like the the dancing and like the lip singing and all that sort of stuff mm 
because of my like content like i get looped into that type of thing <laughs> okay. so i see the dancing fairly often and yeah. i don't really like it but i mean it's looped into with like the music side right. of like things yeah it just sort of comes together yeah i feel like yeah i'm i i'm more into like uh, i'll watch the or at least my content it'll be mostly yes yeah, stand up or skits or mm-hmm. like there's a lot of like uh, baseball videos like t- mm-hmm. baseball is huge in tiktok dude baseball it, <laughs> it's <laughs> awesome and right now the fact that there's no sports you know it's cool to see all these crazy highlights or these like uh college and high school players it's like dude, insane tricks yeah. yeah so so it's like these little things where i'm like wow i never imagined that tiktok would have that you know and um do you sort of uh what do you think of tiktok in general i mean i know you create content for it and we are obviously entertained by it <laughs> But is this going to be another Vine where it's just going to sort of implode? Or are you thinking, does it have, like, IG potential? Well, I think Vine shouldn't have ended in the first place. Well, Everyone they was, sold. Yeah, yeah, they got sold and they got, like, you know, disbanded. But, <laughs> I mean, it, Vine would still be here had it not yeah, been sold, you know? I 100% agree. Everyone still misses Vine. So, like, when TikTok came out of the scene, everyone didn't like it because it was like, oh, this is just a replacement for Vine. It's trying to be Vine. But it's you know? better than nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? As, uh, especially because some Vine people that jump into YouTube are jumping into TikTok. Yeah. So it's like a full circle, man. <laughs> like, they're back, you know? So it's, it's interesting to sort of... And that's another thing. I, I feel like the fact that Vine had been dying led a lot of the creators to jump into YouTube. YouTube. And then, I mean, the big, like, Dobrik, I feel mm-hmm. like it's a great example of it. I I didn't know him in Vine. Like, I didn't follow him in Vine. Um, and it wasn't until maybe a year ago that I really even followed him on YouTube. It's when he sort of started blowing up, you know? Because okay. I, I watched all the car videos, and I yeah. remember I just binged through them, man. And I was like, oh, my God, this is insane. Like, why do I like watching these so much? Like, because at first I was like, oh, his laugh is annoying. <laughs> and then now I'm like, fuck, I just want to be his friend, you know? So it, it's kind of crazy to think that uh, I guess what I'm leading towards is mainstream celebrities have such a such a divide between sort of social media and YouTube Internet, celebrities. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially because the YouTuber is uh, filming it, editing it, acting in it writing it sometimes yeah. you know and when you're seeing uh, people like conan and uh, jimmy kimmel trying to do sort of the same <laughs> thing it just looks so awkward man it looks cringy because well they don't need to know how to edit or film you yeah. know they're rich they can afford a nice camera but they haven't <laughs> they haven't gone on youtube and said how to film you know what i mean yeah that's where we all start how yeah. to youtube and they haven't done that. And How to record good. <laughs> yeah. What free software to use. You know what I mean? And like, Best I feel free like software. <laughs> I feel like they obviously have the money for it. I don't know why they're not leaning more into better, um, um, better productions. I feel like because if they're trying to be authentic, we're past authentic or, or how can I say we're past shitty recording in YouTube. Mm-hmm. Maybe it would have worked five years ago. But at this p- point, man, you're watching people record on DSLRs or Reds, you know, like Red cameras. Yeah. And these are high-level cameras for, like, a 20-minute video or a five-minute video. So why why isn't mainstream media embracing production? Do you think there's a reason they're trying to be, or re- like, uh, authentic or anything like that? Um. When it comes to, like, production, like, there's production companies for different things. It's not like the studio owns the production company right. that is using it. So when it comes to, like, um, you know, going back to the quarantine, you know, if you're in your house, 
you're not going to hire those production companies to come to your place to get those right. cameras to do all those things. Um, and those cameras are really good. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Sure. I remember seeing a video of them. Yeah. But, um, I just feel like they could so easily make such a high-level YouTube channel. And they're really just not leaning into that. Um, maybe because they're just trying to, like, go back into, you know, this is just a temporary thing, and then we're going to go back, and then we're yeah, going to do with they all just, this camera stuff, you know? Yeah. I feel like a great example of someone doing it right would be, like, John Krasinski. Yes. He's, he's like, he's perfect, man. He just found his cra- he just figured it out he figured out not just the platform of like the good news but he figured out um how to do it man because he's his his video quality is on point his editing is hilarious he even adds a lot of like youtube uh memes into his editing so i feel like he's doing it right you know but yeah. because that is started on youtube mm-hmm. you know maybe because of uh, corona but it started on youtube it doesn't come from somewhere else and you're right maybe the big, um, the big guys are just thinking this is temporary. So why invest? Why think about it? Mm-hmm. It's just so that I stay sort of relevant, you know. I just I thought Fallon was gonna go full YouTube, and <laughs> he kind of did. Fallon is pretty but, much on YouTube, like. Well, yeah, they're um, the nice shows are leading on YouTube even before this whole thing, yeah. just because they're sort of recycling their things. They're they're getting more views. On YouTube, then they're getting ratings on TV. So that's because it's still late night too. So yeah, <laughs> it's that like, too. Might as well, yeah. might as well get the views. In and the then day who time. like actually sits there in, in like the time of streaming? Who sits there and says, 20 more minutes. Let's watch <laughs> the show." You know, no, you go to sleep and you wake up the next day and you look it up. You yeah, know? that's what you do. So at least that's what I do. I right. remember thinking, um, I can't remember what show it was, but oh, Dave. I don't know. Little Dicky has his show. Oh, <laughs> it's called Dave. Dave. Anyway, it comes out at midnight on Hulu. So like at midnight on Wednesday, uh, so Wednesday Thursdays midnight. Okay, I'll just go to sleep at ten. <laughs> or like I'll watch it tomorrow. I can stream it anytime. Like yeah. I don't have to. And like it's it's a throwback to when you did, man. You had to be there after okay. dinner and you make sure that you watched it. And if you went to the bathroom to pee, fuck. Like hopefully you watch it again on a rerun, maybe in the future. But yeah, you know who knows. So I feel like growing up, I knew what musical theater was. Uh, because it was uh, with uh, things like Disney Channel and High School Musical, <laughs> it just became so mainstream, like immediately. And it was almost, I mean, obviously there was musical theater before High School Musical. Yeah. But it was, I feel like, the best, big break for it that sort of led a lot of people into into the field or into the genre in general. Yeah. And now you're having things like uh, uh, things like Hamilton, Hamilton and Cats where they're just breaking records and they're just, they're just in the zeitgeist of... Uh, of what is popular, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you think it's the music, like, like the soundtrack? Do you think it's the acting? Do you think it's the genre? Or maybe a combination of everything that's sort of taking over? I think there was a point... I, I studied history. <laughs> I studied okay. the history of musical theater, so I kind of know this. <laughs> awesome. Um, what right. happened mainly, because back in the 70s and going into the 80s, you know, popular music, the music you heard on the radio was musical theater. Yeah, there would be on the top charts. You know, you would see like, uh, what is it? I'm a, if I if I were a rich man from Pit on the Roof, he, that, he, that was on the top charts. You know, um, the big thing that happened was the whole thing with MTV. MTV took off, and then TV also got popular with that, and it kind of like lost its touch. And then along with that, musical theater, they like to, and this is like the one problem that I have with it. Musical theater, they like to recycle ideas. They say, oh, that show did it, so we can do it here. Right, yeah. And, you know, you're getting stuff from, like, you know, 
uh, <laughs> what is it guys and dolls and it's going into like newer ideas or like the music man you're seeing those references in like other musical theater shows right. and it, it starts to get stale in that sense um so what my one of my biggest idols is lin-manuel miranda and yeah. that was like way well, before hamilton <laughs> oh really yeah okay so then how did you get introduced to um well because of show choir <laughs> oh really okay, yeah cool. um my brother was in show choir he was in the main attraction before i got into high school okay and he, they did the ninety six thousand, which was one of the big songs from in the heights lin-manuel's first yeah. musical and when I first heard it, I was like, that's dope. I want to hear more about this. And I heard, found out about musicals. And that's how I kind of how I got introduced into musical theater. Okay. Um, but I was big on Lin-Manuel way before. And before this, it was cool? Before, <laughs> before it was cool. I remember I, I did. I get it. I get it. I've I, been there when I'm like, come on. Like, th- I was into this before. Like, um, my big one is um, Hot Ones. I don't know if you ever yes. watched it. I was watching that shit when, like, DJ Khaled was in it. <laughs> And I was like, people, I used to show to people and they're like, that's weird. Like, why would I watch that? And now they're like, oh my God, did you watch the episode? I'm like, yeah, I watched it. <laughs> I've been a subscriber for years. Yeah, I'm like an OG. Are you kidding me? But I got I one, I get one of the bottles every month. <laughs> yeah, man, I got triple X. Yeah, I eat it. Yeah, I can do it. I think if I don't want to be famous, but I want to be on that show. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only thing I want to do. That's one, that's one of the big things. I'm yeah. not even, like, big on spicy food, but, like, oh, I it, would, man. like... I just want to do... I just want to know if I can do it, and I want to talk to Sean, man. He just seems so interesting. Sean and, is an interesting guy, even for an interviewer. Guy, yeah, man. It's just, like, he's so honed on on, like, his interviewing skills. I just... He's he's going to do so much, man. He's going to he's gonna have a show. He's just... he's Yeah, he's, yeah, he's definitely going to build up. But, like, yeah. being big on something that was popular before... Right. Um... When I remember I did a rap of during a push, I did a rap from Hamilton <laughs> before it was popular. Oh, okay. So yeah, because I know um I was looking into this. So Hamilton itself uh, was popular. When did it make that jump into sort of the mainstream media? Um, because it was only a, really a few years ago that I remember hearing everybody freak out over the soundtrack and just everybody was just talking about it. It was just kind of crazy. So from when it came into the uh, off-Broadway theater, the public theater in New York, people started, I don't even know how the celebrities even got honed onto this, but like it was all the celebrities that were watching it. Like you would hear yeah. like 50 Cent went to see this show. Hillary Clinton went to see yeah. this show. You know, you'd see, you'd slowly see all these people. It's like, why are these so many people? Yeah. And the first time I ever saw it like in mainstream, because I followed him well, so I knew he was writing this music right. for you knew years. He was doing it, yeah. And then like I saw the original YouTube video from his like performance in the White House when he did the first oh, song. Wow. So like, you know, you see all that and it's like, okay, well that's it that's its own little world. And Tommy Kale, the director of Hamilton, had a great quote for In the Heights where it's like there becomes a point where you realize the world is becoming conscious to the thing you've been creating for so long. Oh, wow. That's nice. And, you know, for the first time, I was able to see that with something so popular. I didn't, no one expected Hamilton to get big, like, from, like, my circles of, like, who knew Hamilton. Like, they just knew it was a good musical. People liked it. It was going to be successful. That's all we knew. I feel like it's just one of those that hit at the right time, right? Yeah. It hit the the mainstream media. Like you mentioned, it was very word of mouth. It was very celebrity-based. But that led to it be as popular as it is. And it's not maybe... I'm not saying that it's not a good. I've uh, I've seen clips of it. It seems super interesting. The music is amazing, but maybe it isn't the best. It just happens to be a good one that just blew up, right? I, I am on record for saying Hamilton is not the best musical that <laughs> I am very uh, yeah. much like Into Heights is better than Hamilton. It's it's also kind of cool when you see your 
your genre or your your thing be popular because it, it makes people want to ask you about it. I um I've been a huge Star Wars fan. Like I mm-hmm. like day one. Well, not day one because I was in I was in, in the seventies. Seventy seven, <laughs> yeah. baby. I was there. Seventy seven. I was there <laughs> watching it. Yeah, next to George Lucas. No, I um. As far back as I can remember, man, I've always loved Star Wars. Even the prequels. Like, it was mm-hmm. just... I was just all for the content, you know? Yeah. And it blew up. You know, with the last couple movies, it just became really popular. I remember friends coming up to me like, hey, man, Star Wars is actually kind of cool. I'm like, yeah, I've been telling you. Like, Star Wars is amazing, so... You didn't know this already? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at least now we're having conversations about it, you know? At least we're having... Um, we, I have someone else to share it with, so that's cool. Like yeah. I'll take it for what it is. I'll uh, you can get be up, upset about it as much as you want, but at the end of the day, at least you're introduced to it, and I feel like that's super. That's super cool. Oh, yeah. definitely. I'm on the same boat. You know, like as much as people are like, oh, Lin Manuel is like my number one. <laughs> I'm like, I knew him longer, yeah. but it's still like, I'm glad you know about the awesomeness yeah. of Lin Manuel. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's cool because you'll uh, you'll sometimes go up to those people like, well, have you seen this? And they're like, no, I don't think I have. Check it out. Now you now you'll now you'll now you'll like it. Link yeah. to the soundtrack. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you can vibe with people about it, and it also feels nice to feel validated. Yeah, like I've known it's good, and now now that you know, it makes me feel better. Yeah, we all have superhero fatigue. At least I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love the movies, but ugh, you know, like, can we like go back to independent movies? Like, can we just have, have. a different uh, outlet of movies, man? I just yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I'm over origin stories. So do you think musical theater is that? Um, I think it will always be around. I mean, it's been around for a while. I would think it will stay around. I don't think it will be mainstream forever. I think it will have its, like, you know, come back Cycle. in and it will come out and yeah. it will come back in. Because the thing about good musicals, it's they are hard to write. Mm-hmm. You know? You think about how many songs you have to write originally. You have to think about how many things. And that's yeah. why if you notice, like, on musical on Broadway right now, there's a bunch of, like, Movies becoming musicals. Yeah, a Mean Girls became a musical. Mean Girls became a musical. <laughs> so, that's hilarious. SpongeBob SquarePants became a musical. And I this, saw the memes. It's this, so weird. The soundtrack is good though. Oh, is it? I, like, I would recommend the soundtrack. <laughs> okay. Like, but it's it's still very much like a thing. Like, this is a musical about SpongeBob. You know, and it's becoming. Yeah. It's kind of like the superhero fatigue that you're talking about. It's yeah. like. Going into the whole musical theater thing, I was like, Recycling. it's another movie It's another movie turned musical. Yeah. It's another movie turned musical. Well, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I remember um, one of the first musicals that really grabbed my attention, like personally, that I, I personally liked, was the American Idiot mm. uh, musical theater. Huge Green Day fan, you know? I had my emo face. I was punk, <laughs> you know? Um, I was anyway. in that show. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. At Southwestern so, College, yeah. Fucking awesome. I remember watching. I remember watching a documentary of it. Where they had, uh, oh fuck, what's his name? Billy Joe. Billy Joe, yeah. They had him um, write the music with the one of the composers, and I was like, wow, like they're creating this. They went from this concept album into creating a story. Mm-hmm. I'm sure uh, Joel didn't really intend for that when he wrote the album. You know, it maybe I know that a lot of people say, well, there's a story, there's a plot through the album. You know, especially if it's a concept album. But I can't imagine how nice it must have been to sort of see it. You know, have it oh, in front yeah. of you and be like, wow, my song. Because I'm sure you usually write it the other way around, right? You write a story and then you'll create songs. Yeah. And in this case, it was just backwards. backwards. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, when it comes to American Idiot, American Idiot's like one like one of the underrated favorites of my it's own. It's so good. It's yeah. just the music works. 
because there's this like hint of nostalgia mm-hmm. that you're like, man, I remember listening to that on my iPod and just like, you know, yeah. taking the bus <laughs> and then being so angsty. And then you see the angst in the, in the story. In the story. And it's like, it's perfect. Like, yeah. Yeah. I it's definitely one of those musicals where I think of that, like, breaks the, like, the stereotypes of musical theater because you don't think of Green Day as a musical, right? You yeah. know, it's like, why would you get this American idiot and then like make it into a musical, like yeah, with why? like jazz hands and all that? <laughs> it's it's one of yeah. those things where it's like this shows you how ranging musical theater can be, right? Yeah, and you know, there's like I have my sex of musical theater within the thing. I like more of the modern, you know, rock, mm-hmm. um, rap types. You know, like Hamilton in yeah. the Heights, American Idiot. That's that's one thing I feel like was very embraced for, by Hamilton was the raps. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's because the first thing I was I was I was told when I was told about Hamilton, I was like, man, the soundtrack, like it's just modern. You could just listen to it and for the hell of it. You know, yeah. you don't even have to because I listened to it before I even watched clips of it. And I was like, yeah, you could just sit down and listen to Hamilton. You know, it's just that good. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, it yeah. So like there's different shows like there's been a show about. um, Sorry that they made. a. Oh my gosh! I need to burp all the time. There's a, <laughs> there's a show that they made on West Coast rap, okay. and it, it's not a good show, but like they still they're like California, yeah, knows how to party. That yeah, song is in that in musical, yeah, so it's, it's like awesome. you can tell that there's been moves to try to include rap into yeah. um, musical theater, and Lin Manuel is just like the first one to like not only get it successfully but to popularize well, it. I feel like it's it's that reach of not just musical theater going mainstream, but mainstream things going back into, into musical, musical theater. theater. And not, I don't want to say that it's catering, but it's definitely trying to aim for a bigger demographic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And sometimes it lands. Again, it goes back to what we were speaking, I feel like, before the podcast, which was if um, you're catering to a certain audience, it can either fall on his ass or it could be really nice. You know, it could be good. It could be progressive. It can be sort of a, a pres- set of precedent. And I feel like Hamilton did that. Yeah. For not just rap, but historical <laughs> musicals i mean i don't know like it's just yeah. it's so interesting it just it shouldn't have worked on paper hamilton shouldn't Ham- have worked you hamilton know? is a rap musical based on this guy that you <laughs> probably didn't even learn in elementary school or high school and yeah. um yeah uh he's not even he doesn't even become a founding father he dies yeah, so. he dies. yeah. but the name i mean everyone knows hamilton everyone so knows hamilton now. i feel like that carries enough to for it to be uh for it to work you know yeah. again I'm sure in the future people will an- analyze the the time that it worked. Like they'll analyze the musical and they'll analyze the zeitgeist and see why it worked. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes um, I love those kind of YouTube videos where they go back and like, why was this music popular? Or why was this? Sh- why was the show working? And it's always interesting to see that it always comes down to how we're feeling at the moment. Yeah, like. Um, Tiger King. So <laughs> I haven't seen Tiger King. So oh, man, you gotta watch Tiger King. Anyway, but you you understand what it is though, right? Yeah. So I feel like Tiger King was perfect. It came out at the perfect time because it was a ridiculous show amongst chaos. You know what I mean? It was controlled chaos. So we were we we're living in a pandemic and when it came out, everybody was scared, everybody was like didn't know what to do what the next thing was. So if you can sit and see others' lives be more ridiculous, it sort of gives you a, an internal piece of like, hey, maybe 
everything will be okay. <laughs> at least I don't have to deal with Carol Baskin. Yeah, right? at least <laughs> I'm not married to Carol Baskin. <laughs> exactly. So I feel like it always works because of how we're feeling, you know? And that, that leads to a lot of things. I feel like there will be a lot of things that come out of um, quarantine or pandemic Times. I don't know what we're going to call, call it eventually. I'm, I'm sure they didn't call World War II World War II. <laughs> no, it's going to be called the Corona Time. Hey? <laughs> corona Time, yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. Oh, man, we got to submit that. Man. That's Corona Time. <laughs> it's Corona Time. I feel hey? like we should all just agree that in the future when people ask, ask us about it, we're, we just sort of look into distance and say, yeah, I remember Corona. <laughs> just, look in just, the sky. Yeah. And just, just that adamant background. Just, <laughs> it just, uh, yeah, man, it's going to be crazy. Like this, people are going to write about this in books. And I feel like we've had uh, like uh, younger millennials. Well, just millennials in general have been through through so many things. Like, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, like and um, that at this point, we're sort of rolling with the punches. We're just like, oh, shit. Here's another thing, you know, there's and then thing I have to deal with. Yeah. And then there's the I mean, background of like the San Andreas fault. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's always uh, there's always something that we're having to deal with and i don't think we're desensitized but but do you think there's going to be any kind of representation of this time and and maybe the theaters local theaters like after this you think there's going to be playwrights based on this i was talking with a friend that owns a theater company and he's he's like looking at he looks at the new play sites Mm -hmm. that like uh, author or playwrights submit like new plays and a bunch of them are about the right now oh really yeah and I mean, they're not great because we're still in the middle of it. <laughs> and, it yeah. and, you know, it's like, oh, they're just trying to like popularize on the theme. But like, right, yeah. definitely it's like when people were into zombies or vampires. Yeah. yeah. You know, like there's going to be a bunch of like poop. But, yeah. <laughs> but there's going to be a gem in there. There's going to be a gem in there. And or it might be there already or it might be like mm-hmm. two months after this mm-hmm. whole thing ends. You know, right. It, so, yeah, I feel like. Um, yeah. So definitely you're going to see movies and shows based on Corona because mm-hmm. it just you're just going to or. At least referenced. Mm-hmm. So, um, so with that, like, <laughs> I guess, I guess what I was, what I was trying to ask is that you think it's a good thing th- that it's that, or do you think, like you said, it'll just mostly be just. Crap? I mean, art will always be representative of what's happening right now. I mean, after nine eleven, there's been a bunch of nine eleven stories that we know right. about. Right, so many movies and shows and yeah. novels, and, and like not all of them have been great. But like, right. there's a, there's a few gems in there that I can think of, like the one with the what was it called, World Trade Center, I think, oh, with the Nicolas with Cage. the police officer, yeah, Nicholas Cage, Cage and all that. Yeah. That was a good movie. That was a great movie, and it's like, yeah, I still watch it now, and I'm like, fuck, man. Like, I remember my mom took me out of school, and we were just sitting watching the TV, and I didn't really know what was going on, but I remember just thinking, like, fuck, this is scary. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those times where you're like, wow, this is this, this is, is weird. You yeah. Know? My dad woke up early in the morning, so, like, he was the first one to see the news, like, about, of, like, the plane crash happening. Like, the second plane hadn't even come in yet. Like, he remembers seeing that. Yeah, I didn't get taken out of school till, yeah, till the second plane and then the Pentagon. Yeah. So, it was, like, a whole thing. So, like, no, like, when that, after that first plane and then, like, he saw the second plane, he was, like, these kids are not going to school today. Because we we hadn't woken up yet. We hadn't, like, we're getting ready to go to school. Yeah. So, like... I remember skipping school that day. Like, this is a weird. Like, why am I skipping <laughs> yeah, why school? Why are we school? Yeah. But like, I was I was in kindergarten, so it's like it, it wasn't yeah. really a big thing. But I remember like seeing like my the rest of my family's like reactions to it, and that's what kind of stuck with me about that day. It's just like, 
everyone's reactions to what was going on yeah meant something and yeah that's what's gonna stick with me so like even the kids that are like happening right like happening right now in like four or five yeah they might not remember this time much but but they'll remember the reaction there will be something that's like something was off about that time and i want to we were always home yeah we stopped going to the beach yeah yeah it's um it's definitely one of those things that it's gonna we're gonna remember you know like every yeah like you mentioned everybody remembers where they were with 9-11 everybody will remember when you know (laughs) what they were doing in corona i mean obviously it's it's a span of time a lot bigger and um and all that but yeah the reaction i feel like it's crazy to think that i mean i'm not trying to get political but (laughs) it's crazy to think that um something like this big i feel like it was our chance to sort of come together Mm -hmm. and we just aren't like i I, it baffles my mind that we're not all in on the same page as far as like not just covid but the greater good Mm because even because yes there's jesus there's covid deniers but there's also people they're like yeah it's a thing but it doesn't concern me like i i shouldn't have to put up with uh social distancing like i'm i'm strong i'll survive blah 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 you know it shows the disconnects not only between like us in society but like us and the media and how much we trust it or us in the government and how much we trust that and um it it's really gonna be a any art that comes out of this thing i i'm excited for that good art to come out and like to like yeah, see it I and even like, if i write it like it'll be great you know yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> i'm not saying my art's gonna be great i'm saying like and if it's great you yeah know, that's what i'm saying <laughs> i feel like well there's a lot to grab from i feel like because you can obviously you can f- f- hone on into just the virus itself and uh, how big of a shift it was to just about everybody or you can hone on into the human interactions yeah the fact that like we're so dependent on other people and just interactions in general, you know. Yeah, there was this concept that I learned in Chico, and um, our professor went into us. It was like the foundations of drama, I think. That's that's the class. Um, but he described this thing called the um, the public dream and the private myth, and that's how the hero's journey is like um, formed. Yeah, because the hero would fall out of the public dream. And have his own kind of journey, and it's either gonna go back to the thing, or he's gonna find his own, you know, oh, I, concept. And mo- yeah. for the most part, he, he goes back to the go public dream. To, but the thing with the quarantine that's really like struck to my mind, and I've been thinking a lot about this part, yeah. is like it shows how varied the public dream is in general. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's a great way to look at it because, again, I remember thinking when, um when we were told like stop going outside like this is all going to be closed i remember someone my little sister was um and my kid were both taken out of school mm-hmm. and i was like oh okay like this is weird and then people stopped working and i was like whoa like what the hell is going on i remember it was just it all it was all at once and it was just kind of scary but that, that week in march is going to go down in history yeah, for it's sure so, it's so crazy man it's just yeah, it's so crazy. Like you can't. It's hard to come up. Like it's. It seems like something out of a movie, and it is in movies. It's in Contagion. Like you know what I mean. <laughs> it's. It's a movie. It's a plot. It's something that we. It's one of those things that we're like. It could never happen to us. Yeah. And it, it, again, it, I remember thinking, this is it. This is what's gonna bring us together. This is bigger than, um, uh, our state, bigger than our country. It's. It's. It's involving the whole world. You know, it's not a race thing. It's not a, socioeconomical thing. It's. It's a human thing. Yeah. You know, I actually, I mean, 
I wasn't excited for it, but I was trying to look at the silver lining. I was saying, out of this, we'll come out stronger. And I was so disappointed when, again, not just like um, regular media, but just the inner, the reaction of people. I was like, really? Like, that's the turn we're taking with this? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm all for conspiracy theories, man, but come on, like. I don't. I the government's just not that organized. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just how how are we there? You know. And with that, I feel like art is really gonna play. Um, it's gonna play. Well, art always plays a huge part in how we see things. But looking forward, I feel like art, theater, movies, music, and uh, books or whatever, they're all gonna play a huge part on how we remember Corona. But as of now, I'm definitely disappointed. Yeah, you know, as to where we are and where we're going, but maybe I hope it's just a bump in the road. I hope it, we turn a page and we realize that it's a bigger problem than it really is. And you'll always have the the nuts that say that it's not an issue. I understand that there's that, but I'm I'm just upset of how big that percentage is at the moment. Mm-hmm. I just hope that eventually it does go down. But yeah, uh, definitely. Just I think that's the big thing about the social social media too is the fact that. You're not alone. Like before nine eleven, even with nine eleven, like people had conspiracy theories, but there was no social media to kind of post it on. Right. And I if there was, it was like very what little. It, what it would have been. You know, imagine like right now, like we see, oh, there was bombs being set off like yeah. two days after nine eleven happens. Like, was this a conspiracy? Did they really try to kill my family yeah. in nine in uh, Trade <clears throat> Center? You know, like imagine the reactions then. Yeah, if I feel like the big now. thing that plays in it is that uh, like in things like 9-11, people were allowed to mourn and they were allowed to be together mm-hmm. because we all understood one thing. And now you have so many outlets sort of shooting at you that you're like, fuck, maybe this isn't real. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it just gives you enough. And if you're already looking for it, you're, gonna, you're all going to find yeah. it. You know what I mean? There's people out there that believe the earth is flat. That should tell you enough as to how much people will believe. Why it does? I don't know, man. Like they could be. There's so many reasons. I hope as to why people believe the things that they believe. And um, unfortunately, I thought we'd be able to sort of find a middle ground, like a a normal. Yeah. But I guess it isn't it. You know. Yeah. At at this point, I'm just saying two like different normals, like for sure, mm-hmm. and then everything else is kind of varied within it. Yeah. And. I think the next big piece of art that could capitalize on it is if they try to find a way to unite those two normals. Right. I just, mm-hmm. I want to lean on something positive out of this. Like, yeah. Something hopeful. Definitely. Ho- yeah. Something hopeful, something, because <laughs> I, I, I feel like art definitely glorifies a lot of things and you know, well, history is written by the winners, you know, mm-hmm. so, and all that. But even then I, it's so, it's so rough at the moment that I, I'm, I can't wait to read the book that sort of makes me think, yeah, we were together in this. Or, yes, we, you know, health workers were doing the best. And, like, you know, just have to look at the positive things, you know. Yeah. But at the moment, I'm definitely like, oh, <laughs> can we just please, can we just get it under control? Can we just try try to stay stay put, you know. just Yeah. And now with the beaches opening up, I just. You, they're closing them down, aren't they? Though? Yeah, they. Yeah. yeah, well, they opened them up on Monday, and then I think like Wednesday, they're like, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, thank you so that. much for coming through. Thanks and for having for me. Everything. Invite me back anytime. Yeah, sure thing, man. Yeah. Yeah.